Well, last week we uh, looked at the Advent candle of hope. Uh, Today we're going to take a look at the Advent candle of peace. Now, peace is, interestingly enough, one of the nine fruit of the Spirit that you probably are somewhat familiar with. Uh, Galatians 5.22, Paul says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, which is also hope. But there's something kind of interesting I noticed about that, and that is the order of the Advent candles uh, is the same order as the first fruit of the Spirit, only in reverse. We have hope, peace, joy, and then love. Now, we saw that last week that hope uh, has to do with patience and waiting. Uh, For example, Romans 8.25 says, If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently, although we don't often wait very patiently for much of anything. So as we go through the Advent candles, uh, understand that we're also working our way backwards uh, through the fruit of the Spirit to the primary fruit of the Spirit, which is actually love. And we'll get to that eventually. But today it is the second Sunday of Advent, and we're looking at this candle of shalom, Irene, or this candle of peace. Now, I can be accused of being a Scrooge at Christmas, and part of it because I end up kind of dragging stuff up and down the stairs and stuff like that, but it all looks really nice in the end. You know, you can't complain about how things look. But, you know, one of the things I actually do like about Christmas, believe it or not, are nativity scenes. And I think one of the reasons I kind of love a nativity scene is because it just looks so doggone peaceful. I mean, you just think about it. Uh, there was the angel's announcement of peace to the shepherds. And it's kind of hard to imagine a more peaceful scene than Joseph and Mary and that little baby uh, surrounded by sheep and shepherds under a midnight sky. And in a few Sundays, we may actually sing Silent Night, Holy Night, All is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant, tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Now, I think all of us long for a sense of peace in some way, and yet peace is sadly lacking in many people's lives. Uh, Relationships are full of worry and anxiety. Uh, Relationships are full of conflict and stress. Uh, The world is full of conflict and there are wars and there always seem to be rumors of wars. But you see, that's where Jesus comes into this whole mess that we're in. Because Jesus is not only our hope at Christmas time, he's also the source of our peace. And it's only in him that we can truly have what we would call peace on earth. So that's what the Advent candle of peace is all about. Uh, part of the Christmas story, uh, part of the Christmas message is that Jesus came in this world to actually bring us peace. So today we're going to look at four different aspects of peace. We're going to look at uh, having peace with God, uh, having peace with ourselves, and we really need to have peace with ourselves, peace with other people, and then just peace on earth. So let's start with this first point. Jesus brings peace with God. Now, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, I want you to notice that we are not naturally at peace with God. We are born. There's a certain enmity between uh, between us because of our sin. The Bible tells us our sins have literally done what? Separated us from God. And it's only through Jesus that we end up having peace with God and our creator again. Let's go back to the Christmas story. When God first sends the angel Gabriel to Mary, he sent Gabriel with a message of peace. Now, this is Luke 1. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Well, I kind of imagine that Mary would have been a little bit troubled. I mean, a lot of people, scholars have studied this and said that Mary may have only been 14, 15, and 16 years old. And suddenly an angel appears and tells us, Guess what? You're going to have a baby. And she's like... <laughs> I don't even have a husband yet. But the angel spoke words of what? Peace to her. And an assurance, letting her know not to be afraid because God was with her. She had found favor with him. Now, you might wonder, Mary is probably wondering, how did I go about finding this so-called favor with God? Now, inmates will tell me quite often, Doc, the reason you can go anywhere, any place in this prison is because you have favor and I had to ask them what that means, that I have favor down in this prison. Well, it's just very simply, you do what you're supposed to do and you've got a certain amount of blessing. You can walk peacefully through this place. But so how does Mary find favor? Well, the answer is, it's the only way any of us find favor with God. And, and it's, um, it's because God was with her that she found favor. Now, it's the only way any of us do that. Uh, she had faith in God. She had the promise of the Messiah to come. And like so many Old Testament people before, I mean, just go back and read the Old Testament. She had faith in Jesus even before Jesus was even there. She didn't know him necessarily as Jesus. She would have known him as the Mashiach, the Messiah, or the promise of the Christ. And now God chose her to be that vessel through which this Christ, this Messiah, this Jesus would come and enter the world. Now, at the same time, you know what's going on. Uh, God sends another angel to her fiancé, Joseph, Mary's husband-to-be. And in Matthew 1.21, it says, She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now that name Jesus, uh, Yeshua in the Old Testament, or Joshua would be a modern day version of it, means Jesus saves or it means salvation. Maybe that's what we named our grandson, Joshua. Uh, God saves. Uh, Jesus was given this name because he was the promised Savior who came to bring us peace with God by saving us from our sins. Now, we're going to go a little bit further in the Christmas story yet today to see how this is peace with the world. Another guy we've got to bring into this is John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was born, he was born three months ahead of Jesus. But you know, maybe some of you know the story. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he uttered this prophecy. And this is, 
uh, and he says this in Luke 1. He says, you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you'll go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, to guide our feet into the path of what? Peace. There it is again. Now, how did Jesus do this? I mean, what is it that everyone who puts their faith in Jesus, uh, you know, why is it that we, we, put our, we, we put our faith to find peace? It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. See, Jesus was born into this world in order to die on the cross uh, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be restored, there's a good word, restored into a right relationship of peace with God. Let's back up again to the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us what? Peace, Arene, shalom, that would be it there was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So that's the most important thing to remember today about this Advent candle of peace. This is what it reminds us of this Christmas. And you look at that second candle, it says, Jesus brought peace with God. But here's the second part. Jesus also brings peace with self. See, sin not only separates us from God. I mean, we are evil, wicked, bad, nasty sinners. We, we've separated ourselves from him. And so it brings separation in our own being. We tend to be a group of conflicted people. Uh, we constantly fight anxiety. We are fighting stress. We have this inner turmoil at Christmas time when we ought to be happy. We're kind of all bound up and doing stuff. Uh, we desperately need inner peace. And Jesus came not only to bring peace with God, but also to bring just plain simple peace with ourselves. Now, a week or so ago, we looked back at a guy named Simeon. Uh, Simeon was an old man who kind of hung around the temple all the time. You may remember him. God had promised him that he would not die until he actually saw this Messiah, this Mashiach, this Yeshua. And, and wouldn't you know it, the Holy Spirit moved Simeon one day to go into the temple courts just as Joseph and Mary are walking in carrying what? Little baby Jesus. Now, in Luke chapter 2, this is what it says. Simeon took Jesus in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. I bet he went home today and said, Lord, you can take me home any time now. You fulfilled your promise. See, Simeon is a wonderful example of, Je of Jesus bringing personal peace. Now, we sometimes talk about, you know, our bucket list, stuff that we'd like to do, we'd like to get done, all the things we want to accomplish before we, we die, uh, we leave here Earth. But apparently, Simeon only had one thing in his bucket. He had a small bucket. All he wanted to do was see Jesus. And, and when he finally saw Jesus, that was all he needed. And, and in a certain respect, when you've seen Jesus, that's all you really need. Is at that point, you can almost say, okay, Lord, you can take me home anytime. Anytime would be fine. And when he finally saw Jesus, well, he said, now you can, you can dismiss your servant in peace. He'd embraced Christ, who had already made peace with the world, and now the peace of God was within himself. So whenever you put your faith in Jesus, whether it was 
you know, a long time ago, it was moved over here now, the baptismal font, or whether it was a public testimony or whatever it was, um, you not only receive peace with God, you're put back together with him, but you have this, you've got this peace within yourself. You know that all is right with this world. Now, Philippians 4, we're going to jump back in the New Testament. Let's deal with Paul for a minute. Philippians chapter 4, Paul is giving some instruction. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Anybody violated that one lately? (laughs) If I figured Anthony might be. Uh, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by, uh, here's, here's here's your cure for it, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present those requests to God, and then what? And then the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. And I hope you notice here that the, the, the peace of God is only available one way, through Jesus. That's how it comes. The Bible says peace, the peace of God, will guard your heart. It will also guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's why Jesus says to his disciples in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus not only brings peace with the world, he says you can have inner peace as well. And there's a third part here then, and it's that Jesus brings peace with other people. You got peace with God. You got peace with yourself. Now start making peace with everybody sitting around you. And we've got a wonderful example of this um, early in the Christmas story. Uh, when Joseph first heard that Mary was pregnant, uh, he probably was dumbfounded, uh, but he, just, he considered breaking off the engagement. He said he was going to put her away quietly. He was going to divorce her. Uh, he, he, he must have been terribly confused, thinking that this young gal had been running around on him, cheating on him. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 10, what happens? After he had considered this, he thought about it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, put yourself in Joseph's sandals for a moment here. If Mary was pregnant with any other child... Joseph most likely would have broken the engagement. But this little message from the angel said, this is no ordinary baby here. This is Jesus who was conceived in her by what? By the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, even before he was born, brought peace between who? Joseph and Mary. I think that's kind of cool. Now, we go through a lot of challenges in life. Uh, I'm old enough to have gone through probably more than all of you here. Uh, But you've all had challenges. I mean, Bo's got the challenge of being married, but not being able to see his wife because she lives too far away. He's got challenges. And sometimes he probably feels a lack of peace. But guess what? Peace is on the way. It lives in Bolivia. But it also lives in your heart because God has put it in your heart. See, when... Our relationships are in turmoil. Uh, That's when we need to ask Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to come and bring peace in our relationships, to intervene, to reconcile, to to restore. I like that word, restore. Now, 
We read this about Jesus. I'm going to jump back to Paul writing now, Ephesians chapter 2. For he himself is our, what, peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So Jesus comes to break down all the barriers, to bridge all of the gaps, to bring people together, and to restore peace whenever there are broken relationships of any kind. So as believers... As I'm talking to you this morning, I'm counting you all as believers in Christ. We are called to follow in his footsteps. Just like Paul wrote to the Christians in Colossians. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, dwell in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. So Jesus now is bringing peace to other people as well. Here's the fourth one. Jesus will bring peace on earth. Guess what is coming? It may not necessarily be here yet, but he promises to bring peace on earth. That's what he said to the shepherds. You know, they're out watching their flocks by night. Uh, he, he proclaimed that peace would that peace would come when Jesus invaded our planet. Uh, in Luke 2, the Christmas story, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's peace. And guess what? That peace, i got to jump back to the Old Testament again, because this is where this was all predicted. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. He will judge between the nations. He will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take sword against other nations, nor will they train for war anymore. Now, there are a lot of people who say, well, hold it. How do we know that Isaiah was talking about Jesus bringing peace and not just God in general? How do we know that? Well, you've got to jump a little bit further ahead into Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is very, should be a somewhat familiar passage to you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and here he comes. Prince of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I mean, that's one of the clearest prophecies about Jesus, who was born on a child, born as a child, to be called the Prince of Peace, who one day will rule in peace over all of the world. But you know, this peace gets even better because this peace on earth is not only going to bring the end of all wars and conflicts here on earth, believe it or not, this this may kind of blow your mind, it's going to bring bring peace into the animal kingdom. Don't believe that? Let's look at Isaiah 11. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. That ought to be kind of interesting. The leopard will lie down with the goat. (laughs) I'd want to enter the Bible and say, yeah, and the goat's going to be pretty nervous. (laughs) But it's going to be okay here. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's the promise of peace forever, peace on this earth. So what are we going to say? Well, Jesus is truly the Prince of Peace. But it gets even better than that. 
Because the Bible tells us that Jesus will not only bring peace on earth, he will bring peace to the entire universe and that he will reconcile, in other words, put it all back together the way it was supposed to be at the beginning. Paul, when he writes to the Colossians here in chapter 1, it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to do what? To reconcile to himself a few things? No, all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making what? Peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now that verse from Colossians brings us right back to where we started in this message, believe it or not. We kind of danced back and forth between Old and New Testament this morning. See, the reason that Jesus brings peace with God, the reason that Jesus brings peace with ourselves and peace with other people and peace on earth all goes back to the cross. See, without Jesus shedding his blood on that cross, there would be no peace. And without Jesus being born as a baby at Christmas time, there would be no cross. Do you have peace with God this morning? You can answer that for yourself. Do you have peace with God this morning? See, Jesus on the cross, died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins, my sins. When Jesus said to tell us thy, it's finished, man, every, all your sins, past, present, and future, were nailed on that cross and were forgiven. And he did that so that you could be forgiven and restored to a right relationship with God. So if your faith is in Jesus Christ, then you have peace with God. See, God has not abandoned you. And he has promised to live in you through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what I love about John 14, 27. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Now, if we were to baptize anyone at this font, whether it be an infant or an adult, we have this promise that the Holy Spirit comes to live in them. And when you walk away, you take the Holy Spirit with you. Or as my friends in prison say, you now have the resident president. I love that. you got the president living inside of you to run your life. I, my peace I give you. I don't give you like the world tries to give. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So let me ask it maybe just one more way. Do you have peace with others this morning? Do you have peace with other people today? If your faith is in Jesus, he's given you all of the resources you need to do your part in living in peaceful relationships, whether they be your neighbors or your co-workers or other people that you run into. And after you have done your part, you may ask Jesus in prayer to work in the other person's heart that they too might have peace. I had a conversation this last week, one of these overheard conversations sitting at the coffee shop, and I heard a couple of people sitting at a table behind me. I was trying not to pay attention. But I heard, you know, man, this is crazy. And I'm like, what's crazy? I'm, now I'm interested. My life has really kind of gone off the tracks. I hear stuff like that. And, you know, I'm trying again not to pay too much attention, but then again, I'm kind of interested. <laughs> and it finally comes to the point where I turn around and I said, excuse me, 
It sounds like you don't have much peace in your life right now. And it's like, well, how do you know? And I said, well, I've been kind of listening. <laughs> and I said, I, I don't need to know what it is. I said, but I can tell you a solution for it. And they both look at me like, who's this guy? And I said, well, I know the answer is Jesus. And they both kind of nodded their head. And I said, so um, I'm going to just pray that Jesus brings peace. After all, I'm doing a sermon this weekend. See, i got to get around to inviting people eventually. And they just kind of looked at me and nodded. Well, you may run into situations like that where people are complaining about a lack of peace and you can bring peace into that relationship through Jesus. So do we have peace on earth today? I sure wish we did. I really do. We don't have peace on earth yet, but we have the promise of peace on earth to come and God has never yet broken a promise. Luke chapter 2, a very familiar Bible verse. The angels proclaimed to the shepherds on the very first Christmas, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. See, those words of promise still ring in the air during Advent. It's what I like about lighting these candles and kind of remembering stuff like uh, hope and peace. The season as we worship and adore the Lord Jesus, our Savior, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace.